0: Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo has been a fixture of the Canadian music scene for close to 40 years now. We're all a little older than we were back when Outskirts came out and Try was on our radio and Rose Colored Glasses in 1987 and on Much Music. Back at it. Budweiser Stage. First show there in three years. They've already been here, done that. Touring, they played Massey Hall, the refurbished Massey Hall. Wanted to talk to Jim about the new album, about playing Budweiser Stage, some older shows at Ontario Place. This is that conversation on Toronto Today. We're really dating ourselves here, but uh, a uh, classic. You got to sometimes shout this out for uh, for the band to play this. Um, Jim will give me a lot of crap for that, but yes, they're back. Uh, Blue Rodeo playing their summertime Bud Stage show, a Toronto staple for the first time since 2019, and it's a week from this Saturday. We've got three pairs of tickets to give away at 8.30 this morning, but you need to listen closely to this interview to uh, get the magic question. And I'll tell you what that is coming up at 8.30. But until then, the esteemed Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo joins me right now. When did this start? When did the summer tradition of playing down um, at Ontario Place at Bud Stage get going?
1: Well, to tell you the truth, it goes way back to uh, um, Ontario Place when we used to do the forum. And, uh, Really, since then, like the forum, uh, to reserve seats of the forum, to that being torn down to the first year of, of the uh, Molson Amphitheater, to the Bud Stage, pretty much an unbroken uh, chain back to then. So it goes, goes way, way back. There, there, there are very few uh, summers where we haven't played down at the waterfront.
0: I think people would know that they saw you for so many years on at and when you'd play there the rotating stage like that's sort of more the Ontario Place forum before the stage gets big and it's you know you'd you'd spin around you could see somebody in the stands in the seats and then you're not going to see them for another 11 minutes you, you had to explain that to other people that weren't weren't from Toronto
1: But you know what it was it was a beautiful format and and for the longest time it was free you know I remember that was free, and then they charge a little bit for the reserve seats on the inside and then and then the whole thing. So it was kind of a it was a little bit pre-commerce and it, it, it's it's uh, mm. those are those are nice days to think back on.
0: I think you make a point that it's a very unique Canadian thing where you'd play campuses and other bands would play at campuses in the fall. So you're playing to eighteen and nineteen year olds who might be new to your music or they're already in three months later. School's settled in. You can go play indoors to 30, 40, and 50-year-olds. You kind of had the best of both worlds. You and a lot of groups did.
1: I think that that's all, that's all true. I mean, I think one of the things that were, was very important to, to bands, Canadian bands back then, was that all the universities had full-time music programmers. So somebody hired, maybe it was a former student, that brought in bands for orientation, for winter carnivals during the year. And so, all of of my generation of Canadian bands, we were playing all the universities as many as we could get in in those those times, and that also introduced us to an enormous number of people your age, <laughs> you know that 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 all of a sudden you were seeing the hip and you were seeing us and you were seeing Jeff Healey and you were seeing Cabo Junkies and and uh, you know you really got to know uh, a whole uh, waft of Canadian bands, people that were reflecting you know your particular university life so it it yes we took every opportunity in those days and we would go across the country and we play as many of the orientation weeks as we could um and then you know at that point we were also a theater band so we'd come back and do a full tour in the theaters and so we never wanted to lose that connection at that point with university students
0: you're listening to toronto today with greg brady on 640 toronto jim cuddy is our guest from legendary canadian band blue rodeo they'll be at budweiser stage a week from saturday August 27th. For tickets, you can go to LiveNation.com. So I was thinking as we're about to talk, Jim, who's been doing it as long as you guys have? We're talking 35, 36 years of pretty consistent albums, always touring, never taking a long break, never breaking up. Not many groups. Like you've got Brian Adams, Tom Cochran as solo artists, but who's been doing it as long as you guys have?
1: I mean, we always felt like Rush was the the longest uh, running band with the same members. Uh, or, you know, at least core members. And then obviously when they broke up, we thought, okay, we got a chance. But you'll never have a chance because 5440, we, they started when they were 12, right? And they they've pretty much had the core band. And, you know, I know Neil very well. And I said, you've you got to stop. Like, we, we've got to overtake you, but we can't. So they've been continuously going. And, you know, he's one of those, he's, the, the 5440 is one of those bands that people think, oh, I've heard of them. And then they go see the band and they, oh my God. I knew all those songs. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we'll always be, you know, second or third. We we can only aspire to be top five, I think.
0: So you get on stage with Corey Hart, and I wonder how those work out. Because are you saying, I want to go to the show, and, uh, and, <laughs> and I'm going to be there? And then Corey's like, since you're going to be there, you need to be on stage for a song. T- take us a little bit behind the curtain. How do those things come about and manifest themselves?
1: That was uh, Bob Ezrin. He uh, called me a long time before and asked if I would, he was working with Corey in mm-hmm. Toronto and asked if I would uh, come and sing on a song. Now, I'd had some contact with Corey. First of all, he's an incredibly nice guy. right? Yeah. And so you get to know him really quickly. And so I went down and I sang on a couple of songs. So it was there was a lot of exchange of, of musicality. And then when he was when he was coming to town, he asked me if I wanted to come down and sing on the song that I uh, sang on his uh, on his record. And yeah, I thought it was, I mean, gosh, I, I know almost everybody in those bands, Glass Tiger, and then I think the Spoons opened. and Oh, no, it wasn't, well, it was Flock of Seagulls, sorry.
0: You're listening to Toronto Today with Greg Brady on 640 Toronto. Jim Cuddy is our guest from legendary Canadian band Blue Rodeo. They'll be at Budweiser stage a week from Saturday, August 27th. For tickets, you can go to livenation.com. So the new album is called Many a Mile, and Greg Keeler was writing songs during the pandemic. You're writing songs as well, but it's an odd situation, right? Because you're not sure that he's being prolific in writing songs. So a little bit of a surprise, he's giving you a lot of finished songs for you to come in and tweak. How did all that come together?
1: Well, to tell you the truth, both of us were very prolific because when Greg called me, I was three quarters of the way through a solo record. I, I It's just sitting there waiting to be finished. Um, so we were both very prolific. Now, Greg put together a solo record, which is really mm-hmm. good, and... uh um, so I thought that that would be his output. So that I was very surprised when he called and said, you know, I've got this great situation out here in Peterborough and Coburg and we should do a record. Because we couldn't get together. You mm-hmm. know, th- th- we, could, we couldn't uh, le- legally or you know ethically all be in the same room together. So we did it separately. He did his out there with Jimmy Boskill and a couple people. And he'd send his stuff in to me and I would put my vocals on or guitar and Colin would do it. And I did the same. I, I did I every member of Blue Road came in one at a time. So I put mine down with acoustic guitar and then I had Glenn come in and Basil. And so it was very, very fragmented, like we'd never done it before. And yet we were really, really pleased with how it turned out. First of all, it was done at a leisurely pace. You know, usually when we get together, we have time constraints and working mm-hmm. eight hours a day. This was like, eh, you know, if we don't get it done today, we'll do it tomorrow. It's fine. Send it out to each other, get back a couple of days. So it really suited our... First of all, we had nothing but time, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. did. There was nothing going to happen. And uh, it just took away... uh, Sometimes being forced to make decisions quickly is what causes friction in the studio. And having time to to decide what you want and then discussing it, it just all seems so sensible. And so we had no problem making this record. We liked each other's songs and we liked what we added to each other's songs. And the mixes were... I think that anybody who's a real audiophile will be able to tell the difference between the two studios. I know our master, master Greg Calvi, was like, okay, I'm going to do my best to marry these two studios, but they're very different. But other than that, I thought it was pretty you know, pretty easy going.
0: And I think you make a great point with bands and not being able to keep the same schedule because life changes and, and moves pretty quickly. So bands that are really young and no kids, uh, nobody's married – you're putting in long hours. You want to get it right on those first couple albums and, and you're probably pretty controlled but you can kind of come and go as you please and it, it makes it tough for bands to stay in studio. Somebody's got a, a sofa getting delivered or somebody wants to see their kid's hockey game that night. It changes things a little bit.
1: When you're first making records, you think, why are we making this and going home? Why don't we just go some go, go to a live-in studio? That's why we went down to New Orleans. That's why we went to L.A. You know, It's like, go down there and live together. Be like some traditional 60s band and then yes later on there, there's so much more life to be to, to try to conform uh, your schedule to so i guess that's why making it this this way was was really not a problem you know when basil needed when he when we needed him he came for a couple days and then go back to his life and he didn't have to sit around while we you know finished his song or figured out an arrangement or any of that kind of stuff but you know what i think on the other hand having the the opportunity or ability to play music taken away from you for two years clears up everybody's schedule pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And so everybody was pretty keen to do whatever was necessary to make the record and then to play because, you know, you, you playing so much, you have, it somehow suppresses your gratitude for what you're, you do for a living taking away for two years, certainly enhances your gratitude for what you're doing.
0: Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo joining us on Toronto Today.